podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, and my pal and colleague, business partner, all-round good bloke, James Jones. West Ham United managed two wins in pre-season from seven fixtures. Not overly outstanding, to be honest. Haven't looked particularly sharp. The latest one was a nil-nil draw with a racing club at Lawns in France. Uh, I've tried to pronounce that team name a about seven or eight times in the last week or so. Still haven't nailed it, I don't think. But that does not matter because I am joined by the ever-talented, the verbally gifted James Jones. Jonesy, it's great to see you, mate. Um, any any sort of offers, better offers on my pronunciation of the French team that we played last week? Well, it can only be two, can't it? It's Lens or Lens. And Lens it's obviously not Lens, is it? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, how, how else could it be other than Lons? Yeah, but I think it's Lons even sounds wrong. That just sounds like two Cockney idiots trying to <laughs> sound French, French yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. If you spoke to a French person and said who supported that club and said, oh, who do you support? They're not going to go, oh, yeah, I support Lons, are they? <laughs> it's going to work. Or, or, or Lons? Yeah, there we go. That's what I was looking yeah. for from you, really. Yeah, you, yeah. that's... Basically, the rule with French, isn't it? Just drop a letter somewhere. Yeah, that's much, easier right. see, that's yeah. much easier to see French coming through. That oh, oh, yeah, oh. that sounds better. All right, well, I'll bow to your um, bow to your great knowledge. How are you, mate? How's things? Been a week. Uh, second podcast of the new campaign. Um, people delighted uh, that we were back last week. I say people, some people were. Um, so, yeah, sort of getting into the swing of things properly, easing our way back in. Nothing to review of, well, obviously, obviously that friendly, we'll have a brief look back on. Um, but no serious review, just uh, just a big opposition view coming up. But how have you been? I'm, um, oh, yeah, I've been fine, thanks, mate. Yeah, a bit of time off work at the moment, which is nice, nice little break. Uh, just so delighted that pre-season's done and we can look forward to proper football mm-hmm. this weekend. Um, yeah, just... Just living a dream at the moment, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing okay, mate. Yeah, um, revived my uh, tennis career. I used the word career very, 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 very loosely there. And last week you told everyone how much you hated tennis. So yeah, you've been playing tennis is kind of a little bit of a weird. It's an intriguing one, isn't it? Yeah, as I explained it to you earlier, um, I hate playing tennis uh, considerably less than I hate watching it. Um, and me and a friend of mine used to play fairly regularly when we were younger. He's back on a health kick at the moment um, and said, do I fancy getting it going again and start playing again? Uh, mainly because I thrash him at anything else we play. Any other racket sports, even, you know, whether it's PlayStation or snooker or pool, uh, darts, anything like that, I beat him at considerably. Tennis was the only thing we used to be pretty close at. Did the classic British person thing as well. Um, obviously watched Wimbledon and we're like, yeah, that's so fun. Let's go out and play tennis. Um, it may last maybe a month, um, but no doubt uh, I would, the, the tennis racket will get dusty and, and cast back into the loft from whence it came within uh, within weeks. But yeah, after a, uh, the, the, the first week where I played with him a couple of weeks ago, two set defeat, 
embarrassing um, from from sort of my perspective. Uh, a bit better this time round. One all. Uh, six four lost defeat in the first. Uh, won it on a tiebreaker in the second. Um, and because it went so long in the second set, we only had the court for just over an hour um, and didn't have time to have a decider. So I think it's the first tennis match in history to ever officially be declared as a draw. But um, yeah, nice way to start the week, mate. Get out and about, come back and do the podcast and then, uh, yeah, work this afternoon. So all good. Um, word on the grapevine is, Jonesy, that at the ripe old age of 34, apparently, um, you're getting your first tattoo this week. Uh, talk me through that because that screams midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're a bit too young for that, because I think yeah. that had his midlife crisis tattoo around like mid forties, which feels a little bit more of a cry for help than yours. No, yeah, mine's mine's definitely not a cry for help, mate. I am still a bit too young for midlife crisis, but um, I am you're indeed. Four, mate. I'm 34. Yeah, it's not, not quite midlife. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, mate. Actually, um, morbid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I've I've wanted a, one particular tattoo in partic- um, for got to be what ten years maybe even 15 years, never got around to doing it. It's one of those things where every year I go, right, this is the year I get it done. Mm. Never got around to doing it. Uh, and then and then Lucy came home from work. Turns out she works with someone whose wife owns a tattoo shop. Uh, she jumped the queue, got her first tattoo. So she came home from work one day and went, oh, I've just put myself in for a tattoo. I said, well, I might as well do the same. So it kind of jumped into action a little bit. So Lucy's had hers done two, kind of three weeks now. And I'm going Tuesday morning to get mine done. Uh, and it is West Ham related. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to, forward to that. Mm, yeah, happy days, mate. Yeah, I did. When you explained it to me, it didn't sound quite as at first. I was like, oh, no, he's just had a birthday. He's feeling, oh, he wants to hold on to his youth. He wants to bat his, <laughs> bat his youth away a little bit more. So he's going to get a neck tat. He's seen Skamaka sign and Skamaka rocks those. Rocks Inspired those. so much by, by Skamaka, by the way. Because yeah. when he signed, I'd already put the tattoo in. I was like, oh, do I change what I want? I just getting want. another big seven Skamaka on your back. Yeah, like I might just go size. full body tat. Like, <laughs> Being there for like 15 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what put you off before? Because they are pricey, aren't they? Was it the price or was it just the pain? Uh, neither. It was just, I just never got around to doing it. Yeah, um, and I had the long-term list. Yeah, and I had designed my own one, um, which I had on a laptop, which was stolen a while back oh. and never got around to redesigning it. And that was just another reason to put it off, keep putting it off. But mm. not so much worried about the pain. Um, and the price actually wasn't too bad. Um, for what I've been quoted anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to finally getting it done. It's one of those things where I can finally just go, right, I've done that now. Because <laughs> it's been in the back of my mind for probably uh, well over 10 years, maybe even yeah. 15. Some so, it will feel that though, isn't it? If you're oh, yeah, like me, yeah. yeah, it's just something else will yeah. be there that's annoying the, you. That... The, the worry now though is that because I have a very addictive personality, hmm. the worry now is that because they always say with tattoos, once you get your first one, then you you always want another one. You're always looking to get your next one. My worry is that I'm gonna I'm gonna end up being like that. Yeah, and but like, you're going straight in with like three at once, am I right? Yeah, I'm having three. I'm one on my leg, and then uh, one on each arm. Uh, maybe even four, but I might leave the fourth one for a little bit longer. But Lucy went straight in with five. Never had a tattoo before, and she had five straight off the bat. This is uh, I'm. I'm baffled by this. I thought you sort of eased your way into this sort of stuff. As a man completely tattoo-free, um, yeah, I had a sort of brief 
sort of dalliance with it or think I might fancy it when I was younger, like late teens, and then heard how much it actually cost and was like, absolutely no thanks. I think I'll go on holiday. Um, yeah, I, uh, is that is, is that fairly common to just go like two-footed like you are? It depends how big they are. Um, so, I mean, the one on my legs relatively big, but the other two are quite small on the inside of my biceps. Mm. Um, shouldn't take too long at all. And they'll look um, even smaller, of course, because your biceps are so enormous. I mean, well, that's that's it. I mean, that's I might the thing have to, about, isn't it? I, I need to just lay off the gym for a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe limit myself to one appearance every four years rather than one appearance every three years. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, just tone it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. But I mean, I, with Lucy, she had five done. It took them an hour. To oh, do really? five five little tattoos, so mine will be a little bit longer because my leg one's quite big. But yeah, um, yeah, why not? Any pain concerns or no? Well, Lucy bought numbing cream. Apparently, that's a thing. You can buy numbing cream for for your wherever they're right. going to do it. Um, and she only used it once, and that was on on the side of the by rib cage. She oh, said, yeah, literally, it's the best thing in the world. You can't you can't feel anything. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, no, that isn't part of part of the process of getting the tattoo is that oh, you feel it happening you always say, you often say weird things like that don't you but that's like you want to you want to know you've had it done right? I know it was just there for life but you want to you want to feel it being done surely that's you like, wanna... what that is ridiculous it's like going to have What's a filling point? and going no no don't worry about don't worry about that third injection mate I just you know I no, want to feel like you... I'm actually getting a filling done yeah, but you don't have a filling for pleasure do you you get you don't wander into a, doc, a doctor's uh, a dentist and go, oh mate, just give us a filling, please, mate. I fancy one of those. <laughs> like, like you just don't do that. But with a tattoo, like it's it's because you want something on your body that you can enjoy and look at, and maybe something sentimental. So it means something. you don't know. I don't enjoy my fillings. I've got, I mean, I've got a couple at the, just at the top at the back that I, I absolutely love. They give yeah, me fantastic. Yeah, you're constantly looking at me in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, everyone, look at my filling. <laughs> no, um, but you want to feel it, didn't you? you but do no, what, I, what my point was that you go, it's for the end result, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Like you're getting it there for what is left for the rest of your life, not yeah. like no one's going to know, are they? Go, oh, do you like my tattoo? Oh, looks all right, mate. Didn't look like it hurt though, so I'm not sure if it really <laughs> I know, counts. But I think just for you, like you hear, obviously, because it's been so long since I've wanted one. Hmm. Everyone's, everyone, I know a lot of people that have got them. Like one of my mates is actually covered, probably on a similar level as Skamaka. Hmm. Um, and he's like, he's like, oh yeah, like it, it does hurt, it does hurt, and I, that's intrigued me. It's like, well, does it hurt? Because if it hurts, why else? Yes. Why on earth are you covered in them? It can't hurt that much, surely. <laughs> right, yeah. Like you're telling me that Gianluca Scamacca has rocked up and he's at his first tattoo and gone, oh, that is the worst pain I've ever had in my life. But sod it, I'll get my old body done. Like, yeah. It's just, it's, I, I don't think No, it but it's obviously bad. not. Like you say, it's it's obviously just like, I I, I always think it's, it's got, a, I again, I don't know. I imagine it's just beyond uncomfortable. It's like uncomfortable is like bearable and it's just beyond that where it's like, oh... But yeah, you're obviously not rolling around crying or whatever, are you? But I must admit, Jonesy, me and you are, you know, similar in lots of ways. You're one of my dearest friends. But every now and then you do have a tendency to say something and just excuse uh, the swearing that's going to come up. You do have the tendency to say something. And there's only one word for it, which is quite wanky. And that <laughs> right there saying 
<laughs> I'm going to go get a tattoo and because you haven't really done it properly and it's part of the process to feel pain right? and that somehow means using numbing cream means <laughs> you haven't done it properly is one of those things I'm afraid mate well look best of luck uh, with the new tats anyway um, are you likely to show them off on social media or sort of quite personal to you and, uh, and keep them to yourself no I'll show them off uh, particularly the West Ham one I'll, uh, I'll post a picture tomorrow or once it's kind of healed a little bit, depending on what it looks like. But yeah, yeah. I will post a picture on the podcast Twitter account. To see what yeah, think. I was going to say that's a uh, that's a good idea, and that leads me absolutely wonderfully into uh, the housekeeping for this week and this first proper podcast of the season when we've got a Premier League game to look forward to, which is exciting, Jonesy. So Twitter at we are underscore West Ham, or Instagram at we are West Ham pod, Facebook, just search the We Are West Ham podcast. Uh, do the same on YouTube, where you find all the clips and videos that Jonesy puts up over there from the show and interviews and bits and pieces. And you can email us if you so wish at we are West Ham pod at gmail.com. Links to all the ways you can follow and contact We Are West Ham are included in the description to this podcast below uh, if you don't remember any of those. And don't forget, you can buy us a beer and support the pod at buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestham. That's buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestham. Donations there start from as little as a five up. The money goes directly to Jonesy and I. And we vowed, as we always do, same again this season, to only spend it on either things that will make the podcast better for you guys, equipment, guest fees, or whatever it might be, or actually over a bar when Jonesy and I are together. So it's buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestam. Really appreciate everyone who's done that already. Um, and Jonesy, then, before we move on, that's all the housekeeping done. Uh, don't forget, we I'm at William Pugh underscore on Twitter. Jonesy is at by James Jones. Uh, let's head on over to the socials if you don't follow us already to see if, if for no other reason than to see Jonesy's impending new tacts. Uh, Jonesy, football to concentrate on. We've got a Premier League game on Sunday afternoon at home at London Stadium at Manchester City. Erling Haaland versus Craig Dawson will be talking to Steve Tudor from the 9320 Manchester City podcast later on in the show. Um, how are you feeling about the Premier League being back? West Ham being in the Premier League, being back, and an opening game at home to last season's champions. Uh, like I said before, mate, I'm I'm delighted that we're the actual football's back and that was pre-season rubbish. Um, it's just just like this year, this summer more than most, it's just frustrating me a little bit. Not the performances or the form, it's just like just the whole thing has just been a little bit. Yeah, I don't know, just not really enjoyed it. I've not really enjoyed the break. Like, I really? Because, I, I don't know. I just don't know whether it's just because like last last season was so good, and it ended in in quite a lot of disappointment. And I just I just felt like oh I just want to get up and go again, and then we had like three oh, months off. And... No, absolutely. I was exhausted <laughs> at the end of that. I'm still exhausted now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, really been, it's been an okay break to go again. It's been an okay break, but part of me is just like, I wish we just didn't bother and just cracked on and just, just carried on if we could. But Honestly, it's back. We could it's be back. different, more different but, if we tried. I know, I know. We we got the worst possible start as well, really, in terms of opening fixture. But I know it's massively cliche, but you've got to play everyone twice, haven't you? So no, that's rubbish as well. I don't think it matters, that's really. Rubbish. Oh, what are you um, talking about? Of course it matters. Which means, of course, it's momentum, isn't it? If you like, is it momentum? Of course, if you get dicked on, oh, sorry, 
if when we get dicked on the first game of the season and it's like, oh, you're 5-0 down, you'd much rather get points on the board, won't you? Because if you've got a few points and confidence is bubbling because you've played a few decent teams, then when you go into someone who's like about your level, if you're in good form and, and you're sort of in a winning mentality already, that gives you more of a chance going into those level games, I think. But I think I genuinely do think it works the other way around. If you get a few hammerings early doors, and then you go into a game against a team you're expected to beat, but you've sort of forgotten what that winning feeling is like. Confidence is a little bit shaky. I then think that can that can hold you back. Genuinely, I don't. I, I'm not just one of those. I, I think it definitely matters um, like when when you like and, and is a contributing factor. I mean, who did we play? Not the first game of the season last season, the season before. No, we played Newcastle at home last season. for two seasons running. No, we didn't. Yeah, I checked the other day. Newcastle yeah. at home, two seasons running. No, we played them away, didn't we? And Dawson got um, sent off. No, no, no. That wasn't the last. That wasn't the first game of the season. Okay, well, make your point, and then I may be about to disprove it because I'm sure I checked this the other day. So, two seasons ago, we played a top six side, and I think we lost the first four games of the season. We got absolutely battered. Um particularly on that first game, and we were winning to finish sixth. Last year, we won our first game of the season against Newcastle, and we were going to finish seventh. So, it mm. doesn't matter. Well, I, I just... don't... Obviously, it's nice to start with the three points. It's nice to start with a bit of momentum, particularly if yeah. you end up beating a top-six side. But I don't think it, it really matters too much. Um, I mean, look at... Um, the... Yeah, right. Jonesy... Um, did we have a bet on this? I think we did, didn't we? Uh, was it 20 quid we bet on this? Uh, last season, 21-22, West Ham's first Premier League game of the season. A 4-2 win away at Newcastle. Season before the 2021 campaign, a 2-0 home defeat to Newcastle. Uh, I believe Callum Wilson scored for them. Yes, he did. Callum Wilson and, oh, blimey, uh, Hendrick, the one who used to, Jeff Hendrick, is it? Who used to play for Burnley. Um, we lost the first four games that season. Oh, am uh, I wrong? No, the 2021 season we lost at home to Newcastle, then lost two one away to Arsenal, and then beat Wolves four 0 at home and beat Leicester three 0 away. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, so we lost the first two draw games. with Tottenham and, and then a draw with Man City. Yeah, so we lost the first two games, and um, we still finished sixth. Mm, you well, I don't really know. Yeah, okay. Mm. But then we, and we also did have a team at home who we were expected to beat. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. I, so, like, yeah. I just think I said, it's annoying. You want to, you want to start with a win, obviously. But I, I think at this stage of the season, being the first weekend, you still have 37 games to play afterwards. Mm. It's like, it's, it's, it'd be frustrating, if, particularly if you get, if we get absolutely annihilated, which I, for one, I don't think we will do. Um, I, it's that that's going to be damaging. Erling v Craig is making me a bit nervous, though. To be yeah, fair, yeah, yeah, and obviously with Agued injured, yeah. Bonner not one hundred percent match fit, and Issa Diop. I mean, he's, he's going to have to stay. They can't sell him now because no. we've got half a defence again. Um, rumors, rumors circulating saying that um, Zuma's having problems with knee again, which yeah. makes me nervous. Yeah, wonderful, great. Um, it could be Deck and Ross and Dawson at the back then. Lovely. 
Uh, <laughs> Flynn Downs, boss in midfield. Yeah. Love it. Desperately phoning up Sunderland, begging if we can have AJ Lisi back. Yeah, yeah. Can we take him on loan for a week? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I'm not... I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think City will be very underwhelming against... Um, against Liverpool in the Community Shield. Uh, I, although I don't think for one uh, that Harland is a flop just because he missed a sitter in the 94th minute when, when City were 3-1 down or whatever it was. Mm. Uh, he's going to score about 700 goals this season anyway. So <laughs> stop reading. Don't read too much into that. But yeah. it's going to be interesting. I, I just don't think it's going to be a whitewash. I think we're better than that now even yeah. if we haven't strengthened as much as I think we'd have hoped at this stage. Mm. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Um, perhaps you're a little bit more... Yeah, I think generally you're probably a little bit more optimistic than I am uh, as a rule, particularly when it comes to West Ham. But I'll be honest, I'm really... And you know, it's, it's, I've spent a lot of my life, West Ham supporting life anyway, justifying going. Or my dad used to do this to me but a bit more when I was younger. Just sort of when I'd be... When it, you know the years where it felt like a chore to go to West Ham, talking the Allardyce years in particular. Um, but there's you know, there's been plenty of years, isn't there, where we're just like destined to finish 13th. That's what you knew was going to happen. We were just going to exist for the season. Um, and you know, if we if we managed to get a result against Tottenham, that was good. But it was just another season of being a football club and the ambition stretched no further than that. And I, I, you know, it used to be like bloody hell. Here we go. Get to Friday or whatever, and so oh, got to go to football the weekend. And watch us like guaranteed to lose, like three one at home to Everton. Like you just knew you were going to lose to Everton at home. Uh, Leon Osman was obviously going to score. We weren't going. We weren't going to offer anything going forward. Um, and in those times, yeah, my dad used to say when we used to talk about the tickets, and he goes, "Oh yeah, but you know, we get to see some of the greatest players ever." And and I do sort of look back now and appreciate that, you know, all the, the the Wayne Rooney in particular, like seeing him in the flesh and some of the things he did um, at, at West Ham, even a bit further back, Thierry Henry and Cristiano Ronaldo and all of those players that we've sort of seen at fairly quote, close quarters, having sat in the East End for all that time. Um, and I'm really, really, really excited to see Erling Haaland play, quite frankly. Um, we'll speak to Steve in a minute and, and find out what his thoughts are. But you know, whilst I am a, sort of resigning myself to the fact we'll probably lose the game, um, I'm really looking forward to her, seeing him play someone who looks like is going to win the Ballon d'Or in the next 10 years, you'd have thought. Mm. Uh, and he's sort of on the way to be one of the world's, that next generation. It's sort of like the Ronaldo and Messi era is coming to an end, isn't it? And it's like we're going into the... Mbappe Haaland era is, is sort of the two who who look like they're going to lead the way beyond that. Then I'm genuinely excited about that. Yeah, no, I agree. Liverpool fans said that would make you think it's Darwin Nunes who's going up against him, but it's definitely not. Um, but we did score yeah, in the charity shield, mate. He did, yeah. Apparently, it's one nil Nunes this season. Him and Haaland, I'll give it a rest. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not that good. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Whether I can get there or not, it's a different matter. I'm, I'm Driving back from Wales on, on Sunday. I'm at a wedding at the weekend. Um, the wedding Saturday night? The wedding Saturday night. We're staying overnight. Mm. Um, with the kickoff at four o'clock, I have time. Every chance. But the hotel has a spa. I know she's like, I'm not leaving without using the spa on Sunday morning. So it's going to be tight. So um, I may be there. Like, I thought, was she? 
that would well yeah i mean you can get a train back then back. train station nearby yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you leave the car at stratford have a load of beers you can get the car the train to you pick you up and drive the car home and you in yeah. with it as much as that sounds like the best solution mm. for sunday it wouldn't yeah. be the best solution for my marriage moving forward no i was going to say it's sort of become it's, it's comments and conversations like that between us that become quite apparent that you're a married father and yeah. i'm about as single as you can possibly be <laughs> yeah yeah but I, no no i am um, yeah so i'm not by the way but no. <laughs> you know what i mean slightly more than you no not you know not what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 very but, much very much a bachelor of sorts <laughs> no children yeah. no marriage yeah yeah yeah, I, I I do want to get back for it because annoyingly that he's the one player this season I was rooting forward to seeing, mm. and it's just sod's law it's landed on the first weekend of the season yeah. on a weekend where I was like whatever we do do not draw, uh, do not have a home game first game of the season because there's a likelihood I will miss it, yeah. and then what happens two birds with one stone, but um, if I don't then it doesn't matter we'll just draw them in a cup and knock them out of the cup again. Yeah, true. That one. I mean, it swings around about, isn't it? Really, isn't it, mate? So yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. All right, mate. Well, look, I tell you what. Um, decent intro. Let's speak to Steve Tudor next up from the ninety-three twenty Man City podcast, and get his take on that game on Sunday at the London Stadium. I'm delighted to say that we are back with our very first opposition view of the 22-23 campaign. It's an old friend of ours, a friend of the show. It's Steve Tudor from the 93-20 Manchester City podcast. Steve, great to have you back with us again. First one of the season. We're obviously used to chatting to fans of top six clubs ahead of the first game of the season. There is obviously a conspiracy. Absolutely no doubt about it. <laughs> From Mina Jonesy's point of view, we're just blessed that this year we get to watch us get thrashed at home and actually go along to a game on the first day of the campaign rather than traipsing all the way out the country to the Etihad to watch us get smashed 6-0. Um, delighted to have you back. I think the most uh, excited, or the thing I'm most excited about ahead of the game, quite honestly, uh, given that I don't hold out much hope of us getting a result, is watching Erling Haaland play in the flesh. Have you managed to do that yet? Um, or is, 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 is the sort of feeling the same up at City about uh, seeing how he hits the ground running? He was very impressive against Bayern for 45 minutes, uh, less impressive at the weekend. Um, I'm loving the tweets that followed the Community Shield game with particularly Liverpool fans saying, oh, he's, he's going to be a flop. I wish I'd bookmarked him because... <laughs> Come October time when he scored, like you know, he's reached double figures already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We just we we do have a problem, and we need to adapt to to kind of assimilate him into the team. And no question about that. But we also have Pep Guardiola, and he knows a fair bit about football. So I don't doubt that this problem will be resolved. But will it be resolved before West Ham? Probably not. So that's that's a, a bonus for you guys. Um, and also our performance at the weekend. You know. We, we didn't look fully fit, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to that shortly. But as regards to Haaland, yeah, I, I, I wasn't bothered at all about his missed chances. A player like him, he's going to miss chances. He's going to score infinitely more than he misses. What did concern me was how isolated he was, how there was a few kind of bad glances between him and Kevin De Bruyne because they weren't on the same wavelength. These things will all be resolved in due course, but like I say, they won't be immediately resolved. You've, that kind of builds into my question, my next question, Steve, and that 
City have lost three, you know, at least two key players. Zinchenko was a very good squad player. Uh, three players gone. And then you've got the performance against Liverpool at uh, the weekend. Do you think that kind of losing those key players and then um, having brought in a world-class striker like Haaland, there, there's an element of kind of um, transitional period uh, yeah. in terms of where City are at the moment because it's not as perfect as you know many people were, were expecting when ha- the Haaland announcement in particular was made. Yeah, and it's quite a seismic difference really that he makes to the team in terms of how we go about, how we're set up, how we play. You know, to go from a false nine for two years to this, you know, quintessential number nine, this the most feared number nine in world football, then, you know, it couldn't be more kind of stark of a difference. That is going to take a great deal of time. And you will see individual performances such as, for example, against Bayern Munich, Jack Grealish struck up an immediate understanding with Haaland. That wasn't in evidence at the weekend. So you will see these games where it all clicks, but consistently... No, I don't think so. Not until we're at least six months into the season. Um, talking about him as an individual, he'll score goals. Of course he will. But as regards to how we play as, as a team and whether it'll be as cohesive as it's been you know, in the last two years, it, that won't. That, that's going to take time. And, and you know, it's always going to be the case. Um, and losing players like Sterling and Jesus, these players understood instinctively what Pep Guardiola wants. I mean, it's in their DNA, you know. They, they don't have to think about it. They don't need that half second of thought of, oh, I should be running in that direction right now. They just did it. It's robotic. Um, and that does take a, a while. We saw it last, last season with Grealish. Um, mm. So was, I can't see why that wouldn't be the case with Haaland. Um, mm. So, yeah, it, it's. I'm not concerned at this point. Um, I am concerned about the weekend. I'm concerned about West Ham. Um, you do about... always say that, though, Steve. <laughs> and it's do, always, it's starting to get insulting now. It's just <laughs> offensive. Last season, mate. I mean, come on, you scared the life out of us last season. To yeah, off, but... it was, you know. Um, so I was kind of right now. I knew that was going to be a hard game, and, and as it proved to be, and um, we lost at home to Spurs last season on the opening day, and City fans went away from that loss just shrugging their shoulders. It was a case of right. Well, they were basically twenty percent fitter than we were. Um, and we've had two games in pre-season. We've had a community shield. We're not there yet. You're not going to see peak Manchester City at the weekend. Not a chance. So whether you capitalise on that... Should I lose three Um, Steve, I, it's just intriguing, just before we move on, I don't dwell on it too long, but you're talking about the style of play and all that sort of thing there. Um, I read some uh, quotes from Pep Guardiola not too long ago, within a week maybe, saying uh, to the club website, saying we're, never go- we're not going to change the way we play to accommodate these new signings. Um, we want to get the best out of them, of course. We want the best versions of them, but ultimately, you know, we're, we're still going to be the same, playing the same way. Is that going to mean high pressing from Harley? Because, like you said, with the false nine, there's an inevitable shift, isn't there? In in how you're, there will be a difference, no matter what Pep says, there will be one. But perhaps if it goes back to the the days of of when you had Aguero up top, what huge shoes to fill they are. I think I heard Phil Foden saying that the two are very similar the other day. Um, find that a little bit confusing. I guess he means with their sort of sharp finishing as opposed to their actual style of play and movement. But is Harlem going to be expected to be harrying people up the pitch and high pressing along with uh, your your wide players? Or I was just surprised to hear that from Pep because it's like, well, 
there's going to be a shift of sorts, but it, I, I don't know it, unless he's got completely different ideas. No, I think you'll see pressing from Holland. You, you can't be in this city team without pressing. Um, the degree of pressing, well, that, that's kind of open to debate, really, and we'll, we'll find that out in due course. We saw with Aguero, he increased with his work rate as the months went on, as he played mm. under Pep Guardiola, and he did become a different type of striker. I expect to see the same from Haaland as opposed to the player he was at Dortmund. But, you know, Dortmund aren't shy in pressing either, you know. He, no. he, puts, he puts a work rate in. The, the, the key difference for me, and it's a positive um, for, from a City perspective, is that we will revert back to overlapping fullbacks. It's mm. a positive in the sense that we've done it before to great effect. We're going to have to have overlapping fullbacks if we've got Erling Haaland. Um, all this kind of inverted Cancelo playing kind of as a you know number 10. We'll see far less of that, I think. Uh, and we'll see Cancelo and we'll see Walker kind of overlap, which is something I'd like to see anyway. We'll see plenty more crosses coming in from, from wide areas. Um, and, and so it's pretty straightforward the differences we'll see. And it's a style that we used to do so well kind of three years ago. So um, that's what I'm expecting anyway. Uh, Jonesy, I hope you don't mind me interrupting ahead of your, what I'm sure was an outstanding question. Steve, I've just got to ask you one thing. And if I'm nicking yours here, Jonesy, I'm a little bit sorry, but it's a belter. <laughs> I absolutely love Raheem Sterling. I think he's one of the best football, English footballers of our generation by a mile. Um, I've always liked him. I think he's always been underrated especially the football he's played at Man City. I, he's like the first name I put on an England team sheet, even now. Uh, I know people, I, I still don't really understand lots of the criticism of him. Uh, his move to Chelsea, uh, were you disappointed? Am I completely wacko with my, um, with my no. sort of feelings towards him then? I genuinely was really surprised to see him go. I appreciate his playing time had, had reduced somewhat. But I was surprised to see it go, and it just feels to me like you're, that's a genuinely brilliant signing for Chelsea and to strengthen the team. I was surprised, and I wasn't particularly disappointed. He's been somewhat kind of underwhelming the last two years by his standards, probably as a result of the fact that we're playing with a false nine. He's never really took to that as well as the other kind of attackers have. Um, having said that, this season we've got Haaland. He would have thrived alongside Haaland, you know, um, you know, creating chances for him. So that was kind of surprising. I was really surprised that City settled him to a rival in Chelsea. Um, I'm really surprised that he wanted to go to Chelsea, a club where some of the fan base has racially abused him in the past. Um, True, yeah. And, and the fact that he's now joining a club which has got pretty much, you know, kind of eight or nine rivals for, his, for that front three as the same as City. So nothing really changes from that regard. And also as well, he's been accused of, in the past of being a money grabber when he, he left Liverpool for City. If he'd stayed at City, he, in January, he'd have been a free agent, essentially, and he could have named his price. So he's kind of, um, you know, talked himself out of, of even more of a fortune as what he's no doubt got. So not, none of it really makes sense, apart from Chelsea's perspective, signing him, because he is a fantastic player. And... Him leaving City, there's logic to that, to be fair. He, he, he hasn't really been peak Raheem now for some time. Um, and there's rumours of a fallout with Pep as well, which probably has played a part. Steve, earlier on, you, uh, I think it was Will mentioned Aguero and the, the big shoes that have got me filled. Obviously, Haaland's coming to be the, the main man up front. 
What are your thoughts on Alvarez, though? Because he came off the bench at the weekend, got his goal um, after what felt like about half hour VAR check, uh, got the goal. He looked really, really impressive. Um, mm. And he's the one that really reminds me of Sergio Aguero when he first came out of the Premier League. Mm. Um, is that? Do you think he's got he's got what it takes to potentially get to uh, there or thereabouts in terms of Aguero's level? In, I think in due course there'll be increasing pressure on Pep to play him centrally because his, his goal scoring form in South America. I'm not a South American expert, you know. I'm, I don't watch every River Plate game. I see the highlights when we were linked to him, and then when we signed him, and. He just looks a phenomenal talent. He, he has played out wide and he does play out wide and he's effective out there, as we saw, you know, in the preseason against Liverpool. As as a goal scorer, as an Aguero type, um, and you have to play him central. But of course, we've got Haaland, so will he just be an understudy to Haaland? Mm. The, the really interesting thing for me is an hour before kickoff against West Ham, I'm going to go on Twitter, I'm going to see the lineup, and the first thing I'm going to see, I'd expect to see Haaland's name there. See with two other names because Jack Grealish disappointed against Liverpool, uh, Mares disappointed against Liverpool. Mares also happened to miss, you know, a crucial penalty against you guys last season. Um, I would love to see Alvarez start with Foden, and um, because when they came on, City looked far better at the weekend. They looked fresher and fitter, and um, so there's a possibility that we will see Alvarez start with Haaland, and yeah, that that is exciting, really. I mean, the lad is. Um, He's just the best of both worlds, you know. He's got all the, all the tricks and the skills and the pace and the goal scoring, as I said, is just off the charts. Um, and he's got those kind of goal scoring instincts, but he works really hard and he's passionate as well. And he very much looks like the kind of player that you, you could very quickly fall in love with. Mm. Steve, I'm I'm not really sure actually what vibes I'm getting from you at the moment. Um, so, <laughs> uh, no, as far as whether you're confident about City's season, um, on one hand, you know, Jonesy mentions transitional, and I think that's sort of when you're at the level City are at, there isn't room for transition, is there? When you're talking yeah. the fine margins um, that Liverpool or like between yourselves and Liverpool in the title last year and in the seasons before there isn't really margin for a couple of transitional defeats like there may be at West Ham or anyone out of that that top two really there isn't really room for any transitional defeats or that's your season done um are you because I I don't Liverpool don't really sort of strike too much fear into me that they're going to be sensationally better than than last season, I would say weaker, if anything. Whereas City, you've lost some big names there, have may have, have stayed the same, perhaps. But what are your thoughts, sort of, on bigger picture wise, title title race wise, um, yourselves compared to Liverpool? Are you are you confident that that it's yours again, or or do you sort of think this might be the year when you have to have a year off? No, I, I've got to admit, I am confident we're going to win the league again. I hate saying that because it sounds a bit United. Um, but I, I am. So um, I do believe there'll be initial struggles. I do believe at Liverpool, we won't see anything like the kind of points haul that we've seen from both clubs this season. Uh, the fact that there's a big World Cup sandwiched in between both, you know, in, in the middle of the season, that's going to really affect things. So I don't think any club's going to reach kind of 85 plus points this year. Mm. Um when I say about us transitioning, um, I expect it to be resolved fairly quickly. Yeah, um, a 10-minute transition. <laughs> Man City, 
Man City may concede to West Ham in the first 10 minutes yeah. and then it's transition over and you win 5-1. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. no but like, I, what I'm saying is that I think after about three or four games, if things a bit better understanding between De Bruyne and Haaland, for example, if City are playing at 7 out of 10, we're still good enough to beat, you know, Southampton or the like, you know, Leeds, whoever it may be. Say West Ham. You can say it. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Top six, mate. I, I, no, and after chance, I'm not feeling confident at weekend. I, I, I'm putting a bet on West Ham to win at the weekend, and that's the honest truth. Um, but after you know the first few weeks, I expect this to pick up. So basically, how I expect our season to go is we're going to lose to West Ham on Saturday, um, on the weekend. We are going to maybe pick up a couple of draws in the first six games. And um, there's going to be a lot of kind of hysterical articles about how Haaland's a flop and how City have lost it, <laughs> and Pep Guardiola is a you know bold fraud. And then come October up November, we'll be about six or seven points clear of the Premier League. And there'll be all these other articles saying how we're making the Premier League uncompetitive. And it's not fair because we've got Haaland, who's the best striker in the world. So there's going to be those two extremes in a period of about four months, is, is my estimation. Steve, I'm interested to hear what, what, how you think the World Cup is going to affect Man City. Because obviously you're going to have more players than most yeah. at the tournament. Um, I think it's a tournament and the timing of it is going to affect pretty much every club that's playing in a European competition as well. Um, just because you get an extra minimum six games, in West Ham's case, potentially eight if we get through the qualifiers. Um, so you're going to have the majority of your squad there. How does how do you think that's going to affect you? You say you still think you're going to win the league, but that's a really big problem to overcome in terms of having mm. what, potentially 15, 16 players going on to the other side of the world, playing in 40-degree heat for five weeks? We'll have more players than most, admittedly, but you know it's going to impact on every club. I mean, it really is. It's going to have such a seismic impact upon the second half of the season. Um, and we do have... We don't have anything like as big a squad as how we're painted, but in terms of quality over mm-hmm. quantity, um, we do have two players for each position. We've got some really good uh, kids coming through. Cole Palmer, McAtee. I mean, those two, if they get game time, they will really impress this season. Um, my concern, really, if I have a concern in that regard, is that Pep is not known for putting youngsters in unless he absolutely has to. Um, maybe you know, in the round of the Carabao Cup, that's it. And this is a season where we'll see more and more, which is a good thing for English football, of course, kind of kids coming through and being given a chance, particularly with the five sub rules. So, um I hope that Pep kind of yields in that regard and kind of bends a bit and plays some of the kids. Wilson S. Brand at left back, for example, gives them some minutes. Then we can easily get through the season, um, barring you know any real long-term injuries. Um, but no, it's, it's it's going to impact upon every club. Every club is going to struggle this year. It's going to be a really, really weird season for everyone. Yeah, I, 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 I guess Bournemouth and Fulham will probably be okay. Just <laughs> enjoy a few weeks off. Yeah, do you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, yeah there will there will be there will be yeah. enough teams yeah. in the league, I guess. But then the gulf between certainly City and and those teams is is vast enough anyway. Um, yeah, I'd, I, I'm not really sure. I'm still just angry that we've got to endure a World Cup in the winter when yeah. we should have just finished enjoying it at the height of uh, one of the hottest summers ever known to man. I appreciate. Um, you know the the climate change bit is annoying, but it would have made uh, perfect conditions for uh, to watch a World Cup in the summer. Yeah, it? It um, so yeah, I, I I know what you mean. I think yeah, I don't know. 
I think it's just when you go to the the Man City and the Liverpool, that sort of level that you guys are at, the quality of the players, the quality of everything at the club is just elite level, isn't it? Including the depth of yeah. squad you've got. So you kind of think they're the most professional you can basically be. Uh, not everyone all is going to get through the group stages, are they? Um, so they'll be back and, and training and and mm. sort of re-ingratiating themselves. Obviously, all the England players will be out for a while on our run to the final and we inevitably win it. Um, but other than, you know, you're going to get players coming back after those group stage games. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, I can't see that having too much of a much of a difference, really, because all those teams at the top who are, have any even a half chance of threatening City or Liverpool are, are going to have as many players out there as well, aren't they? So, um, an equal effect across all fronts. Steve, let's talk about this game then. Uh, Sunday afternoon at London Stadium. Um, it's, it's a strange one because. Oddly, both of our teams, when we've gone head to head in previous seasons, have enjoyed uh, happier sort of, or found the away ground to be happier hunting grounds. Mm. That, of course, until West Ham ended City's five year grip, was it, on the Carabao Cup um, yeah. last season? One of the one of the games of the season. It gets forgotten about because we had such an excellent campaign elsewhere. But that was definitely one of my favourites. Dramatic penalty shoot outside Ben Rama bagging the winner, of course. Um, but in the league, West Ham versus Manchester City at London Stadium has been even more of a frightening fixture uh, than Manchester City versus West Ham at the Etihad. We tend to keep it a little bit closer at the Etihad, perhaps because we feel we've got the freedom or a pass to to just put 11 men behind the ball because there's only 3,000 people in the corner shouting and booing at that rather than 60,000. Um, what's your what's your sort of your general thoughts on how the game's going to play out star-wise uh, on the weekend? And, and I guess, like you said, uh, that will depend largely on, on Pep's selection. It'll depend largely on that and, for me, fitness. It comes down to fitness. I don't know how good a pre-season you guys have had or otherwise. Uh, have you looked quite sharp in pre-season? No, the opposite. Really? Okay. <laughs> I would like well, that is very pertinent then because I, I don't fancy City to be, you know, kind of in peak form and kind of re- looking really sharp. Um, it'll be somewhat of a bitty game as a consequence, particularly if West Ham have also looked a bit off it in, in the um, kind of pre-season. Um, and then when you look at that, what typically happens is an individual comes to the fore, doesn't it? It's, it's normally a moment of madness, uh, magic, sorry. Um or madness probably... in our case. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's what it might well come down to. And then it's a case of, you know, you guys have got enough players in your team who can produce moments of magic. So have we. Um, and it's just two producers on the day. I'm not anticipating. We've been treated to some really good games of football with West Ham City in recent years um, in terms of stylistically and results as, as well as plenty of goals as well. I'm not anticipating a lot of goals. Um, a single goal in it. And as I said, I'm, I'm generally putting a bet on West Ham to win. Steve, we, we might we might see the first of Gianluca Scamacca at the weekend. Mm. See, we um, he signed. We'd be, we had a friendly against Lawns. Italian Ireland. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. Italian Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's six foot five, I think. Um, hailed in Italy as like the really hate him. The next best thing. Wonderfully good looking man. Really, really. Um, <laughs> six foot five. Uh, Roberto Mancini has is, is basically said to him, you, You're the future number nine for mm. the Italian national team. He's 
you know, really, really highly rated in Italy. But it's its height which which I'm looking at going, well, that's going to be that's why David Moyes has bought him because he loves a set piece. What are City like defending massive strikers and set pieces in particular? Because I'm looking at Skamaka going, right, on his debut, City are off the pace a little bit, not quite hundred percent fit. This is his moment to become a, yeah. a West Ham legend straight off the bat. We used to be terrible at set pieces. It used to be a concern every time we conceded one. Um, we have got considerably better in the last two two years, I would say. Um, particularly when you look at Laporte. Laporte's just one of those players who I'm sure there must be a stat out there what shows how many set, how many corners he's cleared. But you know, it's going to be high. I'd love to find out what that stat is. It always seems to be Laporte. Unfortunately, he's out at the weekend. So um, I. I it's a tricky one to come back. I, I saw quite a lot of Serie A last season and he did stand out, but he's going to, I guess, because he's six foot five. But I remember distinctly watching the game thinking, yeah, he's, he's a pretty decent lad. So um, I've seen a couple of the interviews. He looks like a passionate, you know, sorry to stereotype Italians here, but he, he does come across as a, a very typically passionate kind of Italian who's going to really embrace playing for West Ham. So whether that's an immediate impact, um, only the weekend will tell us. I hope not, obviously, but you guys hope so. Um, but yeah, we do tend to kind of defend well against kind of tall, physically powerful forwards. Um, people like Diaz loves a, a, an individual scrap and he'll be playing at the weekend. So I should imagine that's going to be a real key battle like Ruben Diaz against Skamaka. So we'll have to see who comes out on top. Um, well, Skamaka's the 50th forward player. West Ham have signed under David Gold. Sullivan. I think that's. I think that's not strictly true, though, is it? No, Jonesy. I promise. I went. I went through the list the other day. How many youth players? How many youth players? Are no. Yeah. Well. No. 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 That, that's what I checked. I, <laughs> I, I actually, cannot be on that list. No. I totally. Yeah. Look. I agree. But technically, if you go on transfer marked, he's noted as a winger. But I'm with you. I'm with you. I put this argument forward at work when I was tasked with the thing, and. I was polite. And to be fair, it's it's a bit of a loose one, but it's still, to be honest, the ones that are actually like 100% is still like 40 players. So <laughs> 40, if it's still an absolutely obscene record. Um, but so what, what my point is, obviously there's, there's somewhat of a striker curse at West Ham, Steve. And whilst <laughs> Jonesy, I feel like that was a hopeful question from him. Uh, this one might be a little bit more pertinent. Uh, what are you going to be like defending against Mikel Antonio for 88 minutes uh, and then the two <laughs> minutes at the end that Skamaka will get when Moisey throws him on yeah. to try and nod in the corner when we're 4-0 down already? Well, he always causes us problems, doesn't he, Antonio? So he always causes any team problems on his day. So whoever it may be, um, you know, I put my trust in Ruben Diaz because you know he is someone who basically he relishes the battle. He, he loves it. Um, and the players who worry me, Far more are the four nails or the kind of you know the kind of technically brilliant players who on a day could just produce something from twenty five yards out from nothing. So they're the ones who worry me more, I have to say. Um, but that might come back and bite me. Fair enough, fair enough. I'd like to see Pablo four nails produce a screamer from twenty five yards. Jonesy, not something we're too used to, is it? No, it's not. But oh, mm. what? what? Just love it. What a little, yeah. what a little player he is. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, look, Steve, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on again. We appreciate your time as always, as we do every single season, every time we get to talk to you. 
Um, we finish as always as we will this season. Give us a score prediction then for the game West Ham v Manchester City Sunday afternoon in the late kickoff uh, at London Stadium to open the Premier League campaign. Erling Haaland versus Craig Dawson. Let's remember that. <laughs> I'm going two one West Ham and for the press to have a meltdown and basically say that you know it's all imploded at City. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, oh, oh, my. Uh, uh, pessimism is very much my approach to things, but yeah. I know it's what Manchester City. So um, <laughs> mine, uh, my when my pessimism, no, sorry, pessimistic um, predictions normally just end in West Ham losing by that scoreline. So, Jonesy, <laughs> what are you saying? I'm going to start this season as I mean to go on and go with my favourite Desmond. 2-2, good start to the season. Happy days. Yeah, OK. I'm going to go as optimistic as I can possibly force my normally pessimistic self to be just so as not to kick the season off by predicting West Ham defeat and I'm going to go nil-nil. Harland <laughs> <laughs> and Skamaka both declared duds after the yeah, game. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. West Ham nil, Manchester City nil, London Stadium. I'm pretty sure that'd be about 50 to one, but uh, we'll have a look. Look, Steve, uh, from the 9320 podcast there, we appreciate you having, you or appreciate your time, mate, coming on, having a chat with us about all things at City. It's West Ham versus Manchester City, London Stadium, Sunday afternoon. Stay with us. We'll have some final thoughts from me and Jonesy next. So there you have it, Jonesy, Steve Tudor from the 9320 Manchester City podcast. Brilliant having Steve on. Again, look forward to chatting to him at least once more this season. Always good to kick off the campaign with the opposition view with a friend of the show. Jonesy, just before we sort of say goodbye um, and get your thoughts on, on sort of what Steve had to say and, and looking forward, probably just worth reminding everyone, as we said last week, easing our way back in. Uh, no games to review, really. That nil-nil against Lawn James. Did you did you watch the game? No, no. no I've no, seen really the highlights. Um, and yeah, bowing at the bar, didn't he? Good, good mm. ball from Coventry. But yeah, other than that, nothing really to write home about. I think it was a, a, a fairly standard ball draw. Yeah, spoke to my friend this morning. Uh, I also didn't um, didn't watch the game. But spoke to my friend this morning at tennis, of course. Um, and he said exactly the same. He said 90 minutes of his life, he'll never get back. Uh, not looking particularly sharp, etc., etc. Um, yeah, so not too, not too worried about that. But uh, you know, just preseason doesn't matter, does it? And we're basically, if we just treat Sunday like a preseason game, we're sure we'll be fine. Um, yeah, we're still in discussions at the moment, um, primarily with Betway. We think we will be um, doing the charity bets again this season, just uh, just in some discussions at the moment. Over some of the, the finer details, how that's going to look and how that's going to work. So there'll be no uh, charity bets for this weekend. However, um, obviously, once we've got all that up and running, uh, I'm sure we'll be able to slip a bonus one in for a cup game or something like that to make sure... Uh, we've got enough chances to to earn some money for those great West Ham charities again. But like I say, just working on the details of those uh, that sort of arrangement at the moment. So hoping to have that in place uh, certainly in the next couple of weeks, hopefully next week before our next podcast. Josie, um, one thing we do need to mention, of course, is the uh, fantastic... England women win last night as we record in this. Uh, what an occasion that was at, at Wembley. Um, 
to be quite frank, and I had this conversation the, this morning, I was talking about it with my friend. The Ella Toon goal was just something to behold. And we were both laughing. If you put Mikel Antonio in that situation, in that position, with a ball like that, a perfect through ball as it was, uh, and he's managed to actually like time the run perfectly like Toon did, there is no way in one million years he scores from that position, I don't think. And the just the, the class, the quality in the touch and the little dink over the top, it was just absolutely amazing to have the... Uh, courage and the bravery to do that at Wembley as well in, in probably like, well, the biggest game of all their careers so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mad admiration uh, for team for that and just a, and a, and a great achievement from, from the girls on the whole. Uh, first of all, I agree with you. Antonio doesn't score that. Skamaka does though. I think yes, yeah, flicks it up and over it kicks it in. Why not? Yeah. And then you um, get a tattoo of it the week yeah, after. Exactly. <laughs> on my face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful achievement all round. I think very poetic as well, given that you know, last time England won a major trophy, 66, a lot of people go, yeah, but that's the men, this is the women. For me, mm. uh, two first teams represent the country in a major tournament. I think it should go side hand in hand. Mm. Um, you know, it's about time. You know, everyone's calling for equality. Well, you know, how equal can you get other than putting England women's um, success stat bang alongside um, the success of 66. But when England won that World Cup in 66, women were banned from playing football mm. um, by the FA. And we've been, we've been singing about it to come home ever since. And I think it's so poetic that it was the women that brought it home mm. um, after being banned from the FA for playing football for so many years. Um, and it's just a wonderful achievement. And, you know, absolute legends, a lot of them. And uh, I, I did have a tear in my eye. Everyone knows me. I'm an emotional football fan. Yeah, yeah, of and I did have a tear in my eye watching it, particularly when, you know, they're celebrating and they've got the, the trophy lift and all that. And it was just like, bloody hell. And we so close to seeing the men do it last summer. So for the women mm. to go one further this year and, and do it was just fantastic to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely brilliant, mate. I, I missed with the, because um, there's been a little bit, I mean, obviously try and uh, make sure my Twitter timeline is, you know, very fairly selective of, of who I follow and um, pretty good at muting people or accounts over the last year or two. Um, one one thing I've sort of found in, in chatting to people with the, I think people are getting a little bit rankled with the coming the coming home thing, um, and and it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you've got, as you mentioned there, you like the 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 whole and just the song. Obviously, it comes from. The song um, "It's Coming Home," blah blah blah, which mentions the, the uh, thirty years of her. I think it was when it first mm-hmm. came out in '96, wasn't it? Obviously, it's nearly added another thirty on uh, since then. And I think sort of people initially a bit, well, you know, there's separate teams, and and it doesn't erase the hurt of of the men's team, and and we've supported the men's team for all that time, and that's what it relates to, blah blah blah. Um, and then I think it was David Badil, obviously one of the the genius, the mastermind uh, behind that song, up on his Instagram story last night, um, posted his own set of of lyrics about the team, like the the three lions song, um, and yeah, sort of gives it its own identity, which is good because I, I I find 
you know, that 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 achievement is has eclipsed anything the modern day men's team have done, as you mentioned. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's just nice and impressive. And I think it was Leah Williamson, the Arsenal star and captain, who said afterwards, "This isn't the end. This is just the beginning. It's like a legacy and a journey." And and I genuinely think from now. It's exciting because it will it will be a bit of a line in the sand, won't it? And it's inevitable that more people will be engaged in with the women's team. And from hopefully this is the start of of their their own legacy, and, and hopefully the men can follow suit. I think the country needed it for women's football to have an achievement like that. You know, I was listening to Alex Scott and Ian Wright, and, and they were all talking about it after the game, and going, you know, Ian Wright was really passionate about th- just what seemed like small things like. Um, you know, the TV scheduling for WSL games. He's like, mm. why are you putting it on at seven o'clock on a Sunday night? Mm. Like, who's really tempted to go and watch a live game at seven o'clock on a Sunday night? Mm. Um, you know, they've got to put, really think about these things, but an achievement such as the one we saw on, on Sunday just gives, you know, it inspires a, a nation of, of, of yeah. young young women and young female football fans that want to take up the sport. And yeah. no, I think it's fantastic for it. I really think it's really good. And as exactly what you said, it's a line in the sand. It can really move forward now. Mm. And um, yeah, women's football is literally just the beginning. Like We've noticed it. We've covered Western women on this podcast for the last couple of years. And it's only getting bigger. It's yeah. only getting more popular. And, you know, a TV deal and everything else. So for WSL. So yeah, really good achievement. Lovely to see. And it is, yeah. It's, um, it's finally come home. <laughs> um, right, Jonesy, that's it for another week. Um, West Ham, uh, sorry, we are West Ham. We'll be back, of course, next week. Early in the week, the, the Monday schedule seems to be working so far at the moment. Mate, the Monday lunchtime record times, albeit this is only the second one. Uh, great to have Steve Tudor on this week from the 9320 Man City podcast. Either Jonesy or I, TBC, will be appearing on that pod. Uh, later this week if you fancy going to give it a listen uh, don't forget you can follow us me and james uh we're on twitter at we are underscore west ham our individual accounts i'm at william pew underscore jonesy is at by james jones instagram with we are west ham pod facebook search we are west ham podcast do the same on youtube where you find all the video clips and all that sort of stuff that jonesy puts together excuse me and you can email us at we are west ham pod at gmail.com all of those links, the links to all of our accounts, how you can follow us and contact us are included in the description to this podcast. And don't forget, you can buy us a beer and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash wearewesthand. That's buymeacoffee.com slash wearewesthand. Donations there or beers there. Start from as little as a five and a money comes directly to Jonesy and I. And it only goes over the bar when the two of us are together or on stuff that makes the podcast better for you guys, be that equipment or guest fees. Uh, Josie, the first show proper next week where we'll have a Premier League game to review and an exciting clash away to Nottingham Forest. We'll be reunited with Jesse Lingard. Get your house on that. Get your house on him scoring against West Ham. Get anything you own, sell it and take it down to the bookmakers. I know normally that's not good advice, but in this instance, and Jesse Lingard scoring against West Ham, yeah, I think it's the soundest advice I could possibly give. Uh, It's been a brilliant week. Jonesy, great to see you again. West Ham United against Manchester City on Sunday. The Premier League is back. Erling Haaland goes head-to-head with Craig Dawson. Mikhail Antonio starts his 900th season 
up front, whilst Gianluca Skamaka watches on from the bench. No doubt, Jonesy's a bit more hopeful than I am. Skamaka's got his neck tattoos. Next time we speak, Jonesy will be covered from leg to bicep. And uh, I'll be sitting over here wondering whether or not he did it properly and whether it hurt. Thanks very much for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll be with us for the rest of the season. West Ham v Men City Sunday afternoon. Absolutely no problem. Thanks for listening. Up the Hammers. West Ham are massive. We'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.